I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hello, and welcome to another hard-hitting episode of Thinking Sideways. I'm joined tonight by... Devin. And Steve. All right. Wait, what's your name? Oh, yeah, I'm Joe. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Something a little important. So tonight we're going to solve another mystery. Uh, This is one that probably just about everybody in our audience has heard about. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Do you ever notice that we always solve Joe's mysteries? Most of the time, yeah. Do you feel like maybe he's stacking the deck? I'm, I'm picking easy ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, picking yeah. ones that have been solved already. Well, he says he solves them. That doesn't oh. mean he actually solves. I guess that's them. fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he also has claimed to solve some of our mysteries. That's true. That's true. And it's almost always preposterous. Yeah. Oh, not tr- not so at all. That. Now these are these are by their very nature, unfortunately, kind of unsolvable. Since, oh. yeah, but uh, you know, you can advance some good theories anyway. Well, there you go. Uh, that's, that's the idea. That's always it's always fun to you know turn up with some new piece of evidence or some little theory or another. So anyway, uh, this is a, a mystery that everybody's heard about, I and mean, we're talking about the ghost ship Mary Celeste. Dun dun dun. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know. I know. Um, so anyway, a quick intro here, a uh, little information about the Mary Celeste. Uh, she was a brigantine. Brigantine is like a partially square rig, partially gaff rig ship. You guys all know what that means, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, 107 feet long, 282 tons, and on December 5th, 1872, she was found um, between the Azores and the coast of Portugal, unmanned and abandoned. Uh, she was under sail. She was partially under sail. Not all the sails were up. The lifeboat was gone. The entire crew was gone, and uh, that is the mystery: is what the hell happened to those people? Huh? Yeah. How did they get? How did they get vomitous off that ship? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Was it like damaged? It was just like mm-hmm. hanging. It was just a hang. The ship was just hanging out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, just just uh, drifting along under sail. Apparently, it was being uh, according to the last log entry, which mm-hmm. was November twenty fourth. They were at Santa Maria Island in the Azores, mm. also called St. Mary's. Mm. And that was their last known entry. And they were found uh, about 700 miles north of there. And it's really cool. I, I, I found this out because I found out the longitude and latitude of where the ship was found. And then I found out the longitude and latitude of St. Mary's Island or Santa Maria. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, I go out and I Google it. And, of course, there's a web page out there where you can plug in the coordinates of, of two points, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you how far apart they are. Yeah, of course. And it's even, the joy of the internet. I know. And it'll even pop it up on, on Google Maps for you. So that was really cool. So using that handy utility, they traveled about 700 miles. Okay. Since, so it had since been a Santa while. Maria. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. Okay. And of course, I, you never know. Maybe maybe he was just bored with making ship log entries, and he just didn't write in the log for like seven or eight days. Mm-hmm. Seems well, unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I thought you were kind of required to make log entries like all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what they do on uh, Star Trek all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so I figured that <laughs> was standard protocol. We have the historic record of Star Trek. Uh-huh, exactly. I know. And that's yeah. And besides which, you know, you're at sea. There's not a hell of a lot else to do. So mm-hmm. you, know, no. you might as well spend a lot of time do- doodling in your. Log. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, let's start from the beginning. Uh, the Mary Celeste left New York City on November 5th, 1872, loaded with a cargo of 1,701 barrels of alcohol, which were intended for fortifying wine in Italy. So the, the destination was Genoa, Italy. Um, and an, an interesting coincidence is that the night before they sailed, the captain, whose name was Benjamin Briggs, had dinner with his friend David Morehouse. David Morehouse was captain of the Del Gracia, was the ship that discovered the Mary Celeste adrift and abandoned in the well, Atlantic a month, I a month like later. I feel like I already have a theory about this. You think murder? No, not murder, but like, quote, discovered. Like, oh, we found this ship. It was weird. 
I don't know if there was enough missing. We'll just have to continue. Yeah, let's let, yeah. let's let's keep going. But before we go too far, now uh, you said it, it's, and I remember this in the reading. This is something I, I always had to have clarified. So it's not drinking alcohol like whiskey. It's denuded alcohol. Is that the correct term? <sighs> you know, I I've heard. Very, I've heard two different variants on that. One is that it was like un, totally undrinkable alcohol that will poison you, like basically like rubbing yeah. alcohol. Yeah, yeah. And denatured alcohol. Denatured. That's yeah. the that's the phrase. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, and uh, but I've also heard that they were going to use it for fortifying wine, so presumably it would have had to be drinkable, right? If if you're going to fortify wine with it. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea how that process works. I guess works. maybe it was undrinkable in its form, but when diluted, maybe mm. it was. Yeah. And there's Denatured a, uh, alcohol is totally just like rubbing alcohol, right? And that like it's 90% alcohol. It will kill you. Mm-hmm. But ostensibly, I think if you water it down to like crazy low amounts... Mm-hmm. You could consume it. Maybe I don't, I don't know, know that it would be delicious, but yeah, probably not. Well, th- yeah, and this stuff, um, it, some people have referred to it as undrinkable, but that they might mean not poisonous, but just so so strong, so mm-hmm. harsh, or, that or it just, yeah. But at the same time, especially back in those days, uh, you know, when people wanted to get wasted, hey, they would we would yeah. find a way to do it. You know, I guess if you think of like you know that like the strongest moonshiniest moonshine mm-hmm. you've ever had, right? There's really no flavor. All it is is just like alcohol. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yes, you can drink it, but mm-hmm. and it'll get you wasted. Okay, so anyway, so the, the Del Gracia discovered the Mary Celeste sailing without benefit of crew a month later. So she was about 600 miles west of Portugal, sailing apparently toward Gibraltar. Uh, she was spotted by the helmsman of the Del Gracia from about five miles out. She appeared to be sailing erratically, basically kind of weaving side to side. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they got closer, and as they got, as they got closer, they recognized it as being the Mary Celeste. And they got to a distance of about 400 yards and just sat there for a couple of hours observing through the telescope. And they saw no one on deck, no one at the helm. And they were mighty puzzled, as you can imagine. So the first mate, Oliver DeVoe, went over in a boat and boarded the Mary Celeste and went all through it, found it to be completely empty, although it was was kind of waterlogged, and there were about three and a half feet of water in the hold. And by the way, that must have been a really creepy thing going on board that ship, huh? Oh, yeah, I can only imagine (laughs) what it'd be like. Yeah. It's like finding an abandoned car somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know that somebody's should have been in it recently, but now there's nobody Or in aban- abandoned houses, yes. too, are super yeah, creepy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Because, you know, you walk through and you're like, boy, there should definitely, like, you know... There's, there's signs of people having been here. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there's just no one here. <laughs> yeah, speaking of abandoned cars, was, I was with a friend and we were out in the hills looking for a good shooting spot. So we pulled into this one spot off the road and and there's a pickup truck there. And we're sort of wondering that it appears to be unoccupied. And so we come walking up to it slowly, and the driver at the driver's side door was ajar. Mm-hmm. And there were a pair of feet sticking out. Like somebody. What? Laid, laid, You're making this up. No, no, a pair of feet sticking out, shoes. Uh, some, a person laying face down and not moving at all. Uh huh. And we were kind of like, Wow, have we just found a body? We get a little closer and then a little closer and then starts to move. We look in there and it's just some some freaking redneck who just like, you know, passed out probably the night before. <laughs> <in this spot. laughs> She's so drunk. Oh man. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, yeah, that was creepy. All right. <laughs> okay. So uh, on board they found the ship's log, and of course that's where they got that entry about Santa Maria Island. Surprisingly, they keep saying the word is that the ship's papers were, were missing. And, and and I've read that, and that's why I was a little surprised when you said the ship's log, because I thought by the papers, I thought that they meant that the the logbook had been t- was not there. Right, mm-hmm. that's what I thought too. But... That's what you would think, but no, apparently the log was there, but papers, whatever those papers are, I'm not what sure. What if that's the... official documents of ownership? Official documents or... of ownership, maybe? Shipping the equivalent manifest? of a visa I, or I don't whatever. Know. Yeah. Oh, shipping manifest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. And uh, they had also taken the sextant and the chronometer. They were missing. Um, the, the ship's lifeboat was missing. So there were some sensationalized accounts of this. One of the, the first ones was by Arthur Conan Wait, Doyle. Wait, and the entire crew was missing? Oh, yeah, the crew was missing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I also I that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it just the crew, or was... Oh, yeah, I should probably say who was on the boat. Yeah, so there were, yeah. It was a seven-man crew, 
plus the captain, so that's eight. And then he brought along his wife and his two-year-old daughter for oh, this voyage, too. Of so a total of ten people were on this ship. So anyway, the sensationalized accounts of by, them, by Arthur Conan Doyle said that when they boarded it, there were like there were warm plates of food and, and still warm cups of tea sitting oh, on the table in the gallery. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and there was a sword that had blood on it, and, and and in real life there was a sword, but it had rust on it, not blood. That's completely bogus. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, they spent two hours just observing this boat. That's plenty of time for the tea to cool off, you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they cha- I, they chased I, it for a while, so yeah, yeah. And then the the whole the blood on the sword thing. There, like you said, there was a sword. Did you yeah. ever come across why they why the accounts say it was a bloody sword? Mm. It's because it it was covered in red material that didn't obviously look like rust. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that, and it's uh, I'm I'm assuming that it wasn't obviously rust based on the way that I've read it, but it was the fact that somebody had used lemon juice to clean it, which caused some kind of weird oxidization to happen, mm-hmm. and that's why it had these odd blotches of red on it. That's mm-hmm. a weird. That's a little like that makes it a little weirder though to me. That somebody was like, oh, I know, I'll use lemon juice to clean my sword off. It might have been, a, a, you know, the equivalent of an old wives' tale. Dad said, always use a lemon when you're at sea to clean your sword to keep it clean and keep the salt off of it. I, mm. I don't know. It, it would be a good astringent. Yeah, or maybe maybe they just didn't have a sharp knife at hand and they wanted to cut a lemon, so they cut it with that sword. Yeah, that'd be a that little makes, awkward, but... Yeah. Or perhaps, and this leads to another theory, is that perhaps it was a lemon pledge lady. <laughs> 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 Who dun, murdered dun, them dun. all? Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, but what was not missing, there was a lot of food and water on board, plenty of food and water. The crew had, everybody had left their possessions behind, including valuables, uh, things which you would expect they would take with them. Mm-hmm. So that leads to the suspicion that they left in a big hurry. Uh, the peak halyard, which is used uh, to hoist the mainsail, because the mainsail has got that big that big piece of timber up on top of it to stretch mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. And so that you have to have a fairly stout rope to haul that heavy and that heavy piece of wood and all mm-hmm. that cloth with it. Um, so that was missing, apparently. And they found, a, they found a rope, probably the peak halyard, tied to the stern of the boat, trailing in the water. The other end was frayed. There was no sign of violence on the ship. So that kind of rules out piracy. We'll talk a little bit about that. But there sure. were no signs of a struggle or anything like that. So they pondered what to do, and they finally decided to, the, the captain of the Del Gracia sent a, a small number of men over there to the Mary Celeste to take her the rest of the way to Gibraltar. So they sailed, the two ships sailed together to Gibraltar. And then months later, it spent some time in Gibraltar while they puzzled over it and held courts of inquiry and stuff like that. And then eventually the ship got to Genoa, its original, and they unloaded the cargo. They found that nine barrels of alcohol were empty out of that whole thing. And there was, what, 500 barrels? 1,700 barrels. 1,700? 1,701. And one. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting number. That's odd. Yeah, I don't know. Again, and this is one of the hard parts with a story like this that has been retold to make it spookier and spookier, Uh is I have seen accounts that said it was 400, 500, 700 barrels. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that's always in question for me is how much cargo was this thing really hauling? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm assuming these were not huge barrels either. You know, when you think barrel, you think 55-gallon drum. Yeah. So these might have been kind of of small barrels. Little 20, 30-gallon guys. Yeah, could have been. I'm not, but again, there's there's a few a few things I, I was trying to find out in the course of this whole thing, like the size of the barrels, the size of the lifeboat. That's less something I was really curious about, and that's kind of difficult. Huh? Yeah, kind of hard to find out. As far as the captain and the crew goes, they were never heard from again, ever, ever. Uh, so, so mystery solved. Yeah, exactly. They just disappeared. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, thanks that's for joining a, us, everybody. That's really <laughs> obvious. Yeah. So obviously. They either were forced from the ship or they left voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Since there was no sign of a struggle, they must have gotten off the ship voluntarily. So the question is, why? And that's something that people have been puzzling over for a long, long time. Okay, so here are some theories. Uh, number one theory, pirates. What's the answer? No. Uh, it's like, me, wrong. <laughs> yeah, no signs of violence, and I uh, doubt that they would have left, uh, left a bunch of valuable stuff behind. Well, I was going to say, yeah. if nothing else, the pirates are going to take the food and mm. the cargo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the alcohol. Uh, cargo. You think they yeah. would take what a pirates bunch of that do. stuff. You know, actually, if I were a pirate and if I had enough men, I would take the entire ship. There's that, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that would be an so, easy one. 
Uh, of course, maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's why the nine barrels were empty. Is that the pirates did take murder everybody. They did take the ship, and they drank a lot of booze one night, and got, all got so drunk they fell overboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That makes yeah, this, sense. This, this is not, pardon the pun, holding water. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And then one of them, the last one to fall overboard, you know, actually got tangled up with the line for their lifeboat. And he, he, went, he went over, he pulled it over with him. That's why the lifeboat's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm hearing the Benny Hill music. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next theory. Mutiny. The crew mutinied. They killed the captain and his family and threw them overboard and then took off in a lifeboat. Uh, this makes really no sense whatsoever. Yeah, again, right? Again, no signs of struggle. Yeah, a well, crew I mean, of seven mutiny against a captain of one and kill him and his family. Yeah, that wouldn't and that leave wouldn't all your big, valuables behind. That wouldn't be a big struggle though. But yeah, I mean, even if you, even if that had happened, why would they immediately jump in the lifeboat, you know, miles from anywhere yeah. and take off? You know, when the ship is more valuable, and the ship is actually going to be a lot safer to be in than a little Way dingy lifeboat. Safer, yeah. yeah, so that makes no sense. Next one, drunkenness. Uh, this in this theory, the crew got wasted on alcohol from those nine barrels. They killed the captain and his family again and then took off in a lifeboat again. So same yeah, thing. Again. Yeah. So this is just a, another variant of the, the same theory as the mutiny it, one. It mm, yeah. tries to explain why they might have mutinied, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the, the captain was uh, was a, a very religious man. I know he had reservations. Yeah, he was a non-drinker. And I yeah, he was a non-drinker. He had reservations yeah. about even taking the cargo until somebody told him this is something you can't actually drink or you're not supposed to drink. Mm -hmm. so, so it might have been that somebody was testing the sauce and he got upset and then that's where everything went downhill. Mm -hmm. Seven super wasted guys and one angry captain. Mm -hmm. We know who wins. I yeah. guess on the flip yeah. side of that though, you kind of assume that he's a captain of a ship and I don't really know how this worked obviously, but in my like fantasy world, you're captain of a ship and especially if you have a small crew, you've got your crew that's with you like fairly frequently, right? That's kind of how it worked yeah, back there. Yeah. It wasn't like you just had like, oh, I guess we're just... Random dudes yeah, in Shanghai from random a guys bar. away. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think, you know, the, for me, the mutiny thing doesn't really make sense that like, you kind of, I assume at least, that these people had been working together for a number of years and that they would have formed close bonds and... Mm -hmm. And know, also there's sort of the whole question of, of why suddenly mutiny, you know, because... Uh, the voyage wasn't particular. Well, it wasn't like it was taking six months longer than it needed to. It's yeah. not like they were out of food and water. Yeah. You know, there's no no particular reason to mutiny. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I I don't really get it. unless maybe there was some sort of love triangle. You know, maybe somebody was uh, fell in love with the captain's wife and decided to murder the captain and the daughter and and then had to murder the other crewman and then he fell overboard himself because he was drunk. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, so none of them really hold. Yeah, again, this still no. doesn't work. Yeah. No, it really doesn't. So another another theory is that they abandoned the ship prematurely, believing that it was sinking or otherwise in some sort of some sort of deadly condition. Well, and so, you said it had three and a half foot of water in the hold? Yeah, the question is, is uh, at the time that they left the ship, did it have that much water in it? Or mm -hmm. because they left that, they left a couple of large hatches topside open, and they were open for mm, 10 days? Yeah. Yeah, about 10, about 10 days. And or so, up to 10 days from they, the last log entry. Yeah, and so if they had left those open... I it could have gotten in. A fair amount of water could have yeah. come in from rain also, and... And also, you know, ships like that tend to take on a little bit of water naturally anyhow. And that's mm -hmm. why they have bilge pumps, so you can pump them out regularly. Yep. And if yep. they hadn't been on board for 10 days, then it could have just been, you know, seepage. Well, and I, I read somewhere, and I don't know if, if you were able to verify this at all, that the ship supposedly had two pumps, and one of the pumps wasn't working yeah. correctly. So mm -hmm. they, they couldn't siphon the water out at the rate that they should normally be able to. Mm -hmm. But... But it's still not a good reason to abandon ship. No, because, no. Yeah. No, that's like saying my airplane that has four engines on it, one of them has gone out. Quick, everybody, get your parachute. Uh -huh. it's, it's kind of that yeah, same, well, no, this thing's still going to go. It's, uh -huh. it's just going to be slow. It's almost worse than that. I mean, you, it's a parachute, a parachute down, you have a fairly high rate of, you know, at least making it safe down. The thing of abandoning a ship that, you know, I say this a lot, I'm... Obviously, an expert. Of at course, maritime <laughs> anything. That's why you should actually be handling all of our maritime. I should mysteries. be. You're right, yeah. but I do know, having lived on a ship for a while, that the ver it is the last thing you do is abandon ship. Yeah, because you're. I mean, even you know, on the where we were with a lot of people, and you have your radios and everything. 
your rate of survival in a, a lifeboat is just so much lower. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's maybe 10% of what you get on a ship. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to abandon a ship yeah. because one of your pumps might be broken to do something that you can do with buckets and manual labor. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and, you know, if they truly were had abandoned the ship 10 days before, and that means nobody on board that thing was, was doing any pumping whatsoever, and it still didn't have a, a critical amount of water in the bilge. Yeah. And then seriously, obviously, it wasn't the ship wasn't going down. Yeah, I just I, I mean, remember that being an odd fact. Yeah, and and but but anyway, under this this abandonment thing, they thought that the ship was sinking, and so they they um, abandoned ship. They were still pretty close to Santa Maria Island, and so they they decided to get in the lifeboat and head and sail to Santa Maria. Uh, but that again makes no sense because the ship is nowhere near sinking. Even if you think it's taking on more water than it should, you, I would turn the ship around first. Yeah. And don't and by the way, I didn't mention this, but Benjamin, the captain, Benjamin. Briggs owned a partial interest in the ship. Oh, so it's not like he would yeah. have just abandoned so he partially owned it. Yeah. So he he's going to lose his investment if he just lets her go down. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he's, uh, you know, he's got a, an interest in keeping a ship afloat. And also, I think, you know, when you're a sea captain, I, you just, you don't want to develop a reputation as somebody who loses ships. That's a bad yeah. career move. And I think it only takes one loss of a ship. Right to really yeah kind of queer the deal yeah, yeah I think you lose one ship and people are like no you lose ships mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I mean there, there there are people out there in history who've gotten second chances and then they lost another ship and then mm-hmm. that was about it for yeah. them you know, yeah so, yeah yeah nobody yeah. trusts you now mm-hmm. I'm Katia Adler host of the Global Story over the last twenty five years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East political and economic crises in Europe drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play okay so on so much for that theory so the premature thing is like you know i mean not not just because they thought maybe it was taking on water another another theory that's been put out is food contamination because apparently there is a mold which is sometimes found on rye bread which apparently they had in their ship's stores and this mold particular mold is kind of poisonous it can cause hallucinations so they were all tripping on rye bread <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I cannot wait to see that as the next pandemic on TV. (laughs) Next week on Dateline, Uh is your child eating rye bread? Uh Uh-huh, I know. (laughs) What are you doing with rye bread in your proof? Yeah. (laughs) So, so, but but anyway, uh, that's kind of disproven because the crew of the Del Gracia... The, the skeleton crew that sailed her the rest of the way to Gibraltar were eating the same food. Oh. And none of them, yeah, none of them tripped mm. out. So, so that seems kind of unlikely. Uh, another theory, and this is an interesting one, uh, is that it was Daleks from the future. Yeah. 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 Don't, and, no, Steve, this is a valid yeah, theory. Yeah, Stop poo-poo. laughing. <laughs> yeah, this so, is like the most valid one I've heard yet. I know, I love it. But yeah, oh, a, in a, God, okay, let's have it. Yeah, so in a 1965 episode of Doctor Who, they suggested that Daleks from the future uh, terrified the crew and causing them to jump, jump overboard. There's actually another, <laughs> it's not the Mary Celeste, I don't think, episode, but there's another episode where like an alien ship has accidentally merged with it and they take all of the... That's in the newer versions yeah, in the newer of Doctor seasons. Who. Yeah. And they take everybody onto this alien ship and then the aliens leave and the they like man the ship because they were all dying for whatever reason. Mm. And so the ship is left totally normal. Doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And the alien ship goes away. Mm-hmm. So maybe oh. it was uh, that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to get to that actually next. That is, oh. That's another theory is aliens and UFOs. Look at that segue. Woohoo! Uh-huh. Yeah, so they're uh, they're just uh, sailing along, and suddenly the UFOs beam them up and uh, abduct them, and they're off touring the galaxy, presumably right now. Either that or they, they were dissected, one or the yeah, other. Yeah, either uh, or. 
So, you know, I don't know. This is, this is a very credible theory, but this, it's kind of hard to prove. Um, but you know what? And, and aliens get blamed for everything. They get the short end of the stick in every story mm-hmm. because it's these terrible things happened. Must have been the aliens. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I got audited. Must have been the aliens. I, know. I mean, they, they just they get the short end of the stick for everything. And uh-huh. Not that I'm saying there isn't aliens, but... Come on, why do we have to say that because something weird happened and we don't know what it is, it must be beings from another planet? I just think if, you know, if the aliens would just reveal themselves to us, we would stop blaming them for things. If they would just come down and be like, listen, guys. Give us us a good explanation, dude. Listen, it wasn't us. Or or like we got a couple of them, yeah, but like the rest of them are crazy. I just feel like we would stop blaming them as much. Yeah. And, you know, it might be that they're responsible for a lot of this stuff, but they have a good, solid reason, you know? It's like your cat. I mean, you take your cat to the vet, you know, he gets an unpleasant ride in the car, and then he gets stabbed with needles and, you know, gets a thermometer stuffed up his butt and all kinds of stuff. And he's, he's wondering, you know, why are you torturing me? Why do you hate me? And it's like, you, but there's a good reason for it. So you just aren't, don't have a way to explain it to your cat. So, so what you're saying is that aliens are veterinarians for the human race. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're all yeah. getting wormed, and we just don't yeah. realize. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's all for our own good. Yeah. Just doing a checkup. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right. All right. Thank God for that. So next up in our list of theories, sea monsters. Yeah. Oh, all right. I like this one. Cthulhu, this yeah. is always fun. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, under this theory, a visit from our friend Mr. Kraken resulted in the crew being plucked from the ship like tasty chocolates from a box. People below decks, hearing the horrifying screams of their dying comrades, immediately rushed up to the deck to see just what the heck was going on, and uh, they got eaten too. So anyway, that's, that's my favorite explanation. Ah. Uh, yeah. But there, there is, one, there is one, one thing that sort of argues against this, and that is, what's the first thing you do when a, an enormous sea monster comes popping up out of the sea uh scream no wet yourself you're you're warm poop yourself yes that's it you poop yourself no feces were found (laughs) (laughs) in evidence so no no i I mean the rain washed it off oh that's a good good, point maybe it was sea monsters all right well according to pirates of the caribbean because i saw that again recently where the kraken attacked the ship krakens do a lot of damage Damage, and if this ship is in perfectly good shape i don't think the kraken just reached up and grabbed one timber and then used it to flick everybody off Mm -hmm. oh woohoo i I just can't see that happening no i imagine imagine he probably would have torn. I imagine he would have torn it in two, yeah. And, just yeah. Sh- and just shaking all the people out into his mouth. I agree. Yeah, yeah. like so, you yeah. do with the uh, the end of the tube of Pringles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think we can cross this one off the list. Uh, next one, Bermuda Triangle, of course. They didn't go anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle, so I think we can cross that one off the list. Too. Yes. Yeah. So this now we're going to get into some more um, uh, some slightly more serious ones here. Uh, Underwater earthquakes. There was a guy named David Williams who wrote a book called Seaquake. Love the name. Yes. And he wrote. He had a section in there about the about the Mary Celeste. Uh, apparently, and apparently it's, it's actually true. He's not just making this up. Shock waves from an underwater earthquake. If there's a ship right above, can actually do quite a bit of damage. He referenced, and I checked up on it. And it's true. There's a 32,000 ton ship called the Ida Knudsen, which was was very severely damaged to the, to, the, to the point where it couldn't be salvaged. That was back in 1969 by one of these sea quakes. I, it doesn't really entirely make sense to me. And well, I'll, you mean the science of it or no, just no, the, no. the theory? Well, his theory, his particular theory. And I think his theory uh, sort of like departs from the facts in one key area. Okay, let's run is, through And this. that is the barrels. Of, okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to oh, grab a few things. Okay, I got this. Yeah, yeah. Just then, the seafloor near Mary Celeste was ripped apart by a shallow, focused earthquake, a relatively common occurrence in the Azores. Uh, whenever the hard bottom shifts vertically at a relatively fast pace, the seabed acts like a giant piston, pushing and pulling the water, sending powerful waves of alternating pressure towards the surface. So at this point, he conjectures that they had been cooking in the galley and that, uh, and that the motion of the ship bouncing up and down violently in the air caused the stove to bounce out of its holder and come down at an angle. And it's true that the, the Mary Celeste, when they found it, the stove was kind of like a jar. It was, not, it was not exactly where it was supposed to be. So his theory is that it came down, settled in, a, in an off-kilter position, and uh, some stuff like em- flying embers came out of it. They had also loosened the stays around, according to him, nine barrels of grain, of grain alcohol in the hold, causing them to fall over, burst open, and dumping tons of alcohol into the hold. 
Okay. But of course, and this is where this is where it sort of goes south because when they when they found the ship and they looked in the hold, the cargo was intact and undisturbed. Hmm. So that's that's kind of where he departs from the evidence of the case. Anyway, back to his story here. Choking in the smell of alcohol from the leaking barrels, hearing the crashing sounds all around them, and seeing embers flying about from the fire in the cooking stove was all it took to send the crew into panic and cause them to quickly launch the small yawl and try to get away from the pending explosion and certain death. The crew, now in the small yawl, floating behind the Mary Celeste, felt elated when embers died down without causing the alcohol fumes to explode. It was now safe for them to go back aboard and sort out the damage. But the elation soon vanished, replaced by the horrifying discovery that they were no longer tied to the Mary Celeste. In the Russian fear of the moment, the crew had forgotten to properly secure a line from the lifeboat to the mother ship. They watched in dismay as the Mary Celeste, now a ghost ship, sailed slowly away from the yawl with her jib and two other small sails set. So he makes a lot of assumptions there. Yeah. And, and yeah. of course, and he de- like I said, he departs from the evidence with the, the barrels. Um, and then I just, I just love it. I just love it. Oh, they suddenly realized they'd forgotten to tie the rope off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I can, yeah. I can see some credence in if, and evidently this area is known for having sea quakes. Yeah. That a, a quake could literally toss the ship around and freak everybody out on board and potentially yeah. throw one or two people overboard. Yeah, possible. But, but I can't see the sea quake or this supposed string of events that he conjectures happens mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. I, yeah, and yeah. you know, for me, they were they were experienced crew, right? Yeah. And one could assume that they'd done runs similar to this before and likely encountered phenomena like this before. Yeah. Or and, at least heard about it. Yeah. Knew it was a thing that could happen. Yeah, just to be that panicked. Mm-hmm. I just don't think... I, I, think, I think also that uh, um, there wasn't enough damage to the ship. I mean, if it had been that cataclysmic of, of an event, yeah. there should have been more damage. There should, and the ship was unscathed. Yeah, yeah that's one. the other problem with this. And, and number two, when you have these huge, crashing, cataclysmic forces around you and you're terrified, getting off the ship and into your lifeboat is kind of like getting out of your car and onto a tricycle in the middle of a lightning storm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great yeah. analogy. That's a really great analogy. And yeah. I think, you know... I think I think it's totally accurate. You know that uh, not only is it like a pain to get actually physically like perform that act, especially if you've got a woman and a two-year-old child trying mm-hmm. to like do that. Getting from a ship to a lifeboat not an easy task. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, it's true, right? That you're like, wow, it's a mess out there. Better get into something small and really fragile. <laughs> something like yeah. small and fragile. And that much sounds easier like to a sink. good idea. Yeah, what a yeah, great totally. idea. Well, and, and you know, and that's something that I, you know, I, I think people don't who haven't been out on a boat in the ocean in you know decent swells. You think, oh well, it's just you know the waves are a couple of feet high. Nope. You get on a boat that, I mean, on a decent size, oh. I've been on a, it was a 30-foot fishing boat, and they were 10-foot swells, mm-hmm. and you think, well, I'm on a 30-foot fishing boat, no big deal, but when you're in the bottom of the swell... You can't see anything. You can't it's see towering anything. Over you. Yeah. Even... It is just so huge, and that's just a, a 10-foot swell, which is not that big of a wave mm-hmm. out in the middle of the ocean. Even on big ships, you've got those swells there, you know, you can look down on them from a deck... But they're so big. And it's not so much that like you can't see over them or anything like that, but that you can see the difference and you can you feel the way that your ship is moving. Yeah. Even as a giant ship, right? With stabilizers and modern technology, you feel that and you think, Thank God I'm not on a boat that's smaller than this because this would be the worst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way you would survive in this. Mm, well, you might, but it's not likely. I but mean, it's way better to just stick it out on the ship. And I think anybody oh, yeah. who's experienced at all, as I, you know, as I mm-hmm. am mm-hmm. with sea travel, knows that you stay on your ship. In in weather like that, in whatever like that, you stay mm-hmm. on your ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally So agree. I maintain the So the underwater time. earthquakes, yeah, that doesn't sound all that plausible. Because, you know, again, we're trying to figure out why they left the ship. Um, and that just doesn't sound like that would be something that would cause them to leave the ship. Well, and if the waves are just going insane, like you said, it's going to be hard to get on the lifeboat, yeah. let mm-hmm. alone to run into the cabin, grab your papers mm-hmm. for the ship, and then get out. Because yeah. yeah. I, I don't imagine those things are just handily kept in a bag, yeah. hanging on a hook. I would agree with that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I know my next theory, water spouts. Uh, there are such phenomena, and what, they are dangerous. What are they? A water spout is like when you get... 
Uh, it's kind of like a tornado. You got it's apparently oh, they're yeah. associated with with cumulus, like tall cumulus mm-hmm, clouds, mm-hmm. and then you'll get this sort of like tornado-like effect where water droplets. So it's like it's, it's not like actually, a dust devil over the ocean, kind of like a lake. that. Yeah, and it's kind of like, uh, and it's not solid water. It's just droplets, like very tiny droplets, mm-hmm. and so it's not like a total water spout being sucked up. So if they hit a water spout, one forms over them. Uh, somebody has uh, speculated that that could be the, the, the reason they had so much water in the hold of the ship or in the bilges, I should say, mm-hmm. was that they hit a water spout. Um, was it really sure. that much? It was. You said it was three and a half feet of yeah, water. Yeah. Yeah. So not, I just feel like that's not that much water. I mean, it's not mm, no yeah. water. Yeah. But I feel that you know, for a ship like that, right? It's yeah. she's 107 it. feet long. Yeah. With three and a half feet of water. In the hold or in the bottom, but she's been that's a fair un- amount of water. But you know what? She's I, I don't know. Do you know how tall the the Celeste was by chance from off the, the top of your head? From the photos I've seen, I mean, I would say she was probably the top to the tip of the mast. I don't know, 120 to 140. Yeah. But what about feet. the what about the body of the ship? I guess is where I'm getting at. If the mm. ship is 107 feet long, uh-huh. I'm gonna guess she's. What twenty thirty feet high from from bottom oh, to oh, top? Oh, I see to the deck. From, yeah, from to the water deck. line from the water line to the deck. Uh, well, from or, the bottom from to the, the keel deck. to the, from deck. the keel yeah. to the deck. Thank you. There's I would guess. Yeah, I would guess. I would guess twenty twenty five feet. Yeah, three and a half feet is yeah. not a lot of water. It's not mm-hmm. that much, particularly yeah. if we can. I think we can safely assume that if the ship was left unattended without being bilged out or anything like that for ten days, mm-hmm. m- most of that wasn't there when the crew left. No, precisely. So the, the water, again, the water spout, if it was, I mean, apparently these are dangerous. Uh, it, it, it could have caused damage to the ship and there was no observed damage. So, yeah. therefore. Well, you know what? I, I, hate to, I hate to take a step back, but I got to ask. It was approximately, it was 10 days from the last entry to when the ship was found. Yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly what it was that I saw in the reading that I did on this about uh, who was the captain that found it again? Um, his name was David Morehouse. Okay. When Morehouse found it, didn't he say that the weather for the last couple of days had been kind of foul? I, in some accounts, I have heard it said that the Del Gracia experienced pretty much good weather the entire way down, but that doesn't mean anything because they were a week behind the yeah. Celeste. Okay. Because I swear I saw something that said that the wa- the weather at that time wasn't that good for mm-hmm. where, when the Celeste was coming through, which would explain why if somebody was off the ship and they left the, the hatches open, why she took on water. It was uh, raining for yeah. a couple of days straight. Yeah, There's all, yeah, all those all those possibilities there. Rain, just seepage, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, it's a and, wooden ship. Yeah. Right? So I mean... They tend to seep. So, they do. Yeah. All right. All so right. anyway, the water spout, uh, you know, it doesn't do much for me. So I say we throw that one on the bus. Great. All right. Last of all, uh, this is everybody's favorite. Alcohol fumes. It's my favorite too. Yeah, you like that one? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So as but I said, but there are problems with it, right? There are there are a few things that make me kind of kind of wonder about it. Um, so nine my nine barrels out of the entire hold were uh, made of red oak, which apparently is porous and unsuitable for holding liquids. And so the in this theory, the alcohol would have seeped through the pores and would have filled the hold with alcohol fumes, which of course would be Flammable and explosive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and these, the rest of the rest of the barrels were white oak. Yeah, Is they that were right? white oak exactly. And so these nine red oak barrels, which were the ones that were found to be empty when they finally unloaded the boat in Genoa. So as the alcohol leaked out, filled the hold with fumes, a random spark, and people have theorized that that could have happened by just barrels shifting and the the, the metal bands on the barrels scraping against each other, touching off just a little bit of spark, just enough to to make an explosion. Which and the explosion would have uh, would have blown off the hatches. That would explain two open hatches. Uh-huh. And of course, it would have panicked the crew. Somebody and by the way, somebody did an experiment with this. They built a like a miniature model of the hold of the hold of the ship with the hatches and everything, and little little paper things to represent the barrels. Uh-huh. And then filled it up with butane, touched it off, and it did make an explosive sort of thing. But it didn't burn anything because it yeah, burns cool it and a, it burns off really fast. Yeah, and that was really interesting. That was the thing that really piqued my interest in this theory was that 
it was like a cold burn and it was more of like an energy blast than it was like a heat. It was a concussive blast. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is very interesting. I also think it has the potential to explain that it wasn't necessarily that the crew abandoned it, but perhaps they were thrown from it or uh-huh. burned up in the cold. But I, I don't, I didn't totally understand if it could have killed a person or not, mm-hmm. but I thought that was kind of a nice way to explain it wouldn't have been an abandonment at that point. It would have been the crew suffering catastrophic failure, being thrown from the ship or whatever. Mm, yeah, it could have been. Uh, of course, then we'd find, you know, at, at least some of the people would have been below decks and we would have found some bodies. I guess that's not, true. not we, but somebody would have found some bodies. Yeah, unless they were pushed <laughs> yeah. out with the explosion. Uh-huh. I don't know but if that's then, possible. Yeah, I, no, yeah, that's possible too, but then a lot of a lot of stuff like furniture and gear and clothes. Right. Okay, other stuff no, that's been. true. I didn't even think about yeah, that. And, and yeah, another thing I thought about, but again, it doesn't, it, they would have found bodies, was that the fire consumed all the oxygen and, uh-huh. and a bunch of them were asphyxiated. Right. If you were below decks and there wasn't much in the way of ventilation, yeah. I could see and asphyxiation. And it couldn't have just burned just the bodies. It would have... Yeah, and, and it wouldn't have. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah, it didn't. So it didn't burn anything. So, well, and there was no signs of a fire. Right, but so that was the thing they were saying is that like this could have burned a bunch of fuels and caused an explosion that would have left like almost no trace. Mm-hmm. It probably would. It could have explained why perhaps the stove was a little wonky when they found it, mm-hmm. but it yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't have left any kind of burn, explosion damage, really. Yeah. In that vein, though, I mean, if you could imagine the situation where that explosion happened, and say it was foul weather, and there was only like one or two guys up topside, mm-hmm. maybe maybe just the helmsman was up, was topside, maybe mm-hmm. it was nighttime or something like that, and this explosion happens, it asphyxiates everybody below decks. So when he first gets a calm moment, he can he can take a break from steering. He goes down, finds everybody dead, mm-hmm. and so. The, he, he then has to dispose of the bodies. He's got a ways to go. He can't have rotting corpses on the ship. So he gives he hauls them all topside, gives them a burial at sea, and then tries to take the ship single-handedly, or maybe there's two guys, trying to take it all the way to civilization by himself, and then eventually reaches the point where he realizes he just can't do it. And so he gets the lifeboat out, which I don't know. And again, I don't know how easy that is for one guy to, to get the lifeboat overboard, mm-hmm. maybe two guys, and abandon ship. Yeah. So there is that. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I do not know. But so again, this is, but so so there's also not the there's an alternative for that, which is that they popped up in the they popped up in one of the hatches to the hole, and suddenly all these alcohol fumes come rushing out because these things have been leaking and they've been sealed up, mm-hmm. and so they all they all somebody says, hey, you know what, that stuff's flammable, and they all get in a panic and they decide the captain, especially he's, he's got his wife and his daughter aboard. So he's really concerned about their safety. They decide to get in the lifeboat, attaching a stout rope to the lifeboat and to the ship, and then just get a ways away from the boat and see if it's going to blow up and see if perhaps uh, the wind will just sort of ventilate out the hole and get some of those fumes out of there and make it safer. You know, I'm always the naysayer, and I admit it. But my thought on this is that, okay, if if you open up two hatches because you're trying to ventilate all the fumes that are in there mm-hmm. and you don't have a guy with a pipe in his mouth sticking his head in there to see how <laughs> how stinky it is uh-huh. you go oh well that's a bad idea that's it how do you know the ventilation is complete well but if if you if there's any kind of breeze and you've got two hatches open and this is me just you know making a presumption I would presume that they would open hatches that were on opposite ends of the ship from each other to allow a breeze to come through and pull the fumes out mm-hmm. Common sense would say, I'm going to stand upwind of all of this and everybody just hang out on this one area of the ship and wait for it all to come out mm-hmm. before we do anything rather than let's get onto the boat and, and hang out and, and wait at a distance. That's, yeah. that's my thought process that's, too, at least yeah. for some of the people. Like, for okay, I understand maybe like... Oh yeah, let's tow this lifeboat along with like my wife and daughter. Yeah. So that and like a, maybe like maybe a couple the of crew. first mate or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. To keep so an eye that, on them and help you know, them out. If yeah. something were to happen, sure. Yeah. But you know, he owns such a big stake of this thing, and there, I yeah, I guess I just don't see why everybody would abandon ship just to ventilate out. Uh, yeah, that's and maybe not everybody did. Maybe the captain stayed behind and. Uh, and then after the life broke, broke away and they went all, all off to their to their hideous fate, he decided to commit suicide. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's back up on that. If there's one person left on the ship and mm-hmm. they lose the lifeboat, mm-hmm. is it or is it not possible for one guy at the helm 
to turn that ship around. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. all right. I just I want to I want I want to try and keep this on. You Maybe know. they left the the, the two year old daughter on the ship. Right. All of these things don't explain. Then, like, there was plenty of food. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of water. Assuming that the seas were even like remotely calm, so you're just you're the only person on a ship. Yeah, that like stinks, right? But you've got food, you've got water, yeah, and you've got shelter. You're just going to stay put and assume that somebody's going to see you because somebody's going to see you because mm-hmm. somebody will come along. Because you're in a sea lane. You're in a shipping lane. Yeah. 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 And the, the, the whole thing is, yeah, if you're, even if you're the sole survivor on the ship. You stay on the ship. You stay on the ship because I would anyway, because, I mean, just the way it was going on just randomly by itself, mm-hmm. it was headed towards the coast of Europe. Yeah. So it's headed towards Portugal. Yeah. It would have it would have hit Portugal or Spain or something mm-hmm. you know, eventually. And so, you know, what's, what's the hurry to get off the ship, you know? Yeah. The other thing about leaving while it ventilates is the main hatch to the hold was, was secured. It was closed. So if you want to ventilate that out, wouldn't you want to open the big hatch up especially? Oh, to the, yeah. the alcohol where yeah, that was yeah, called? To, yeah, the, so the main hatch uh, was... Because the other hatches were open, right? Yeah, they were they open. They were taking water There's two on. of them, two yeah. of them. Right, but yeah, you would, yeah, yeah you would enough. open all of the hatches, right? I would think That's you would. Assumption. All right, well, I'm I'm gonna go with Occam's razor here, though, is that I'm gonna guess that those hatches are using metal hinges. Mm, so you're thinking spark. So you're worried about spark. So you only you do the fewest number possible to get ventilation through this. So let's just open two. Let's not take the chance of. Open the others really quick and causing a spark and setting this off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, that's I, a possibility. I don't, yeah. I don't hold that this is the way it happened, but I'm just looking like, well, no, I can see why you would only open two. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, no, that's fair. fair. I mean, yeah. So especially if, if you pop those open for ventilation purposes anyway, they're already open and that's when you notice the alcohol. So it's like, you know, so let's, just, yeah, let's not do anything else. Really well yeah. enough, well enough. I, I could imagine that what I would do is I would probably pick the downwind hatch and I would grab a piece of canvas, like maybe even one of the sails and rig up sort of a sort of a cover around it to catch the wind and shove it down into the into below decks and sort of push all that stuff. Yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is what probably your sensible sailor would do. Yeah. I mean, um, this, this whole thing makes me think about, I mean, we've all done it. We've all had gas barbecues that were on, mm. but not lit. And you realize that, oops, I left the gas on when yeah. I turned... Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I'll smoke a cigarette. I'm, I'm just going to go walk away mm-hmm. and hang out for a while. Everybody knows you just don't mess with that stuff. Yeah, yeah you want to just let it disperse. So the other problems with the alcohol theory is that the crew of the Del Gracio, they went below decks, and they, none of them reported smelling any alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, when they got to Gibraltar, lots of people went onto that ship and, looked, and poked around, and nobody smelled any alcohol. Nobody did in Genoa either. Well, well, but, but so. that would evaporate. Yeah, mm. ten, 10 days later, don't you think it would have kind of mm-hmm. dissipated? Well, the, here's the thing, though, is that those barrels is like, uh, they, were, they had a cons- pretty considerable amount of alcohol in each of those nine barrels. And so I don't know how quickly all that alcohol would seep out of those barrels. So if they didn't smell it, so if, if, if say they loaded it in New York, it immediately starts seeping. And then sometime, let's, let's say it's going to take a, at least a couple of days to evaporate. Mm-hmm. So that would be less than a month, less than a month, and the entire contents of a barrel of alcohol somehow seep out completely. That seems like a really short amount of time. Well, and the other problem is when we read the accounts that say that the barrel is empty, Mm -hmm. does that mean bone dry empty or... It's got a little bit little, left in the bottom, but it's empty. Around. Yeah, it's, again, that's, that's yeah. one of those things where, I don't know. And, of course, when they found these, that was after the whole court of, you know, they had a, a yeah. big inquiry at Gibraltar, a Gibraltar about that. And so when they found them empty at Genoa, I don't know if they reported back to the authorities in Gibraltar. I mean, obviously, somebody made a note of it and told somebody else. But Well, and how long was it between when they were found and that cargo was offloaded? Another week or so? Oh, months. Months. Okay. Yeah. Well, then there's yeah. another problem with how fast does the alcohol come out of the barrel mm-hmm. is that if it's slowly leaking, but people are coming mm-hmm. in and out of this ship constantly checking stuff out and looking at it, mm-hmm. then no wonder it's ventilating and nobody's smelling it. I wonder also if the pro- one of the problems came from the fact that the captain was so anti-alcohol. So you can think like if he was like, all right, I'm a little iffy that we're even transporting this, we're just going to lock it up, oh, keep it under yeah. lock and key mm-hmm. while we're transporting it. So it never gets... So oh. it never gets ventilated while he's the boss, and then they think, oh, well, I guess we should just check on it or something. Mm-hmm. So they check on it, and they're like, oh, crap, we got to ventilate this out. 
But once the other people are taking over, they don't really care so much or it's nicer weather or whatever. So it's getting better ventilated. So things are kind of ventilating out as mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, maybe. I don't uh, know. I mean... Yeah, I'd like to advance another, another theory, which is that it's possible that there was never any alcohol in those barrels to begin with. That's interesting. What? Yeah, because... Well, no, because that's interesting. Because, yeah. uh, because red oak is so unsuitable for that kind of a use. It seems unlikely the manufacturer of the alcohol would have used red oak barrels to put alcohol Especially in. Especially for just nine of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Unless they thing. were just fill, they were ran out and, hey, Billy, quick, go go get us nine more barrels. And yeah. They just and, filled them. And that is possible. Yeah, Because red oak is used for grains and dry stuff and things yeah. like that because it's okay there. It's just not with liquids, yeah. right? Yeah, as far as I know. And okay. So, well, I, I think it's entirely possible that some longshoremen in New York who were loading the, in charge of loading the, 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 the boat probably just said, hey, we need to pill for some of these. And, and how, many, how many barrels can you round up in short order? Nine? Okay, stick them in there, and we're, gonna, we're just going to spirit these things off and sell them or drink things them ourselves. Things do disappear in port on a regular basis, or at least they used to. Uh, yeah. Not so much today with barcodes. But yeah. Right. And, and again, like I said, no, nobody was smelling any alcohol. But so, so again, that, that, that casts a little bit of doubt on the alcohol. The, the alcohol theory is still the strongest one. But even so, their behavior was a little bit inexplicable. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some holes in that. So yeah. I wonder if there's like a, a mix of theories that could kind of explain this, right? Like an alcoholic kraken? I was going to go with an alcoholic water spout. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, the sort of idea that maybe it was a specific loaf of bread was that kind of horrible hallucinogenic mold and they ate it. Uh And that's the reason that the crew that took over didn't have that problem was because, you know, these other loaves of bread Mm, didn't have it. It was just the one or the couple. Mm -hmm. So they're hallucinating, or maybe they're, they've got cabin fever, or maybe there's some kind of unrest happening. And on top of that, this alcohol thing happens, so mm-hmm. everybody kind of thinks it's best to just, like, leave. <laughs> impaired judgment, I believe, they, yeah, is what you're going Yeah, they kind of have for. a sort of an impaired judgment for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They decide, all right... We're going to get on this lifeboat. The best idea is to just get on this lifeboat. And that rope looks pretty strong, so we'll just uh, drag ourselves behind it. And surely we'll be able to get back on. That's not a problem. And we won't bother with tying it to the boat. I can just hang on to this. Yeah, I know. Don't or, worry about it. I'm strong. Or I didn't. They wasn't the rope. They found the rope. Yeah, it was frayed. dangling in the water. It was frayed. So, which... like, okay, so maybe it just, like, broke. Like, there was a big swell, and it broke. It snapped in half. Or yeah. maybe the kraken cut it there. Uh, the kraken? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe a big shark bit it in two. Yeah, you know, I think there's the potential for a merging of a couple of these things, but it's... Mm-hmm. Just... Well, let's, let's go completely off track for a second. Yeah. I saw, and I don't... I don't know if you came across, uh, if either of you came across this, but I saw something. Somebody was purporting that one of their theories was correct, and that's why everybody got on the lifeboat, and was citing something that I I couldn't track it down anywhere else, that a month later, a lifeboat was found south of that area with two skeletons on it, one of whom was wrapped in an American flag. Uh, yeah, well, you know, actually, in uh, I, there's a little variant on the, in David Williams' book called Seaquake. Seaquake. Um, so Is that where that came from? He said that five months after after the, their disappearance, that's the one. Five highly decomposed bodies were found tied to two rafts off the coast of Spain. Uh, one body was wrapped in an American flag. So tied to two rafts. I, I'm not really sure. Because if, because they were they took off on a lifeboat, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe somewhere in their journeys in a lifeboat they came across a couple of rafts and tied themselves to it. I don't know, but they, you know, so it could have been anybody's body. It's too yeah. bad, yeah, and it's too bad that I mean they had just ported right recently. I don't, yeah. Well, didn't they have the in the log it said they. It said they made Santa Maria, but then doesn't say whether or not they actually went ashore. Or... I want you know I kind of wonder maybe there was like some kind of sickness, mm-hmm. right? Maybe somebody had like. The measles, or I don't know, mm-hmm. Spanish flu, something, something, you know, where they didn't want to catch it. So, so some of them abandoned ship and some of them killed themselves overboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, this is another one of those ones where the possibilities well, are literally endless. Yeah, and actually, I, I like that because sickness is something that I have not come across in any of the reading. Mm-hmm. And it may have been that they just, I mean, this is not unheard of, as somebody says. This boat is cursed. 
it's making us sick and we have to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And we've just put, you know, Jimmy and Sammy overboard at, to a burial at sea. Let's get on the boat and get away from this shit before it makes us sick, not mm-hmm. understanding how diseases work. And it's too late. They're, the couple that are already infected then infect the rest of them. Well, I guess that's I just really, think it's kind of plausible. Even with that description, right, of like one of them was wrapped in an American flag, that speaks very deeply to me of like that person was dead. That was a corpse when they departed, mm-hmm. right? That wasn't somebody who wrapped themselves in an American flag. They didn't take the American flag with them. That that was a corpse and that they were going to do something with it and something went wrong. And I don't know. It may be that, or just maybe they, they on the way overboard, they, they grabbed the ship's flag yeah. to, to use as a blanket or a sail. That's true. You know? And the guy yeah. was just sleeping in the, you know, I, you know, it's hard to say. Yeah. And speaking of the lifeboat, this is another thing that's inexplicable, is the size of the lifeboat, putting 10 people in the, in the lifeboat, do you know the size of the lifeboat? You know, I couldn't I couldn't find out anything definitive, but I found um, a picture of a scale model from a, some maritime museum. Uh-huh. And the lifeboat is mounted transversely in the in the middle of the boat across the the, the cargo hatch. Mm-hmm. Transversely means sideways. Trans- means side sideways. In other words, yeah, it's it's it's, it's left to right, not front to back. Exactly. Okay. So that you can slide it one way or another off the ship. Yeah. The yes. Yeah. yeah. I got it. Yeah. And so it's so it's mounted right side up and the beam of the ship is 26 and a half feet. And so in order to have room to get around, and again, looking closely at this photograph, it looks like there must be at least three feet on either side of that thing to get around it. Mm-hmm. So that makes it at most 20 feet long. Maybe the ship? The, no, the I'm lifeboat. sorry, the, the, lifeboat. the lifeboat, yeah. It makes it at most 20 feet long. So I don't know. Well, you know what What I think of is if, did you, if you ever read uh, Moby Dick mm-hmm. or you've ever seen any of the, the Hollywood reenactments of it, they cram, I think it's about eight guys into a little boat to go out and chase a whale. And mm-hmm. it's tight quarters, but they do. I mean, you can do it. Mm-hmm. On necessity? Necessity is the mother <laughs> of all inventions. So. Yeah. But, but it, it just seems to me that, again, it, it, it makes getting into the lifeboat, that small of a boat with ten people... It just it makes it seem like that much more unpalatable of an option. I oh mean, yeah, no, I, I'm yeah. I'm not saying. I'm just saying I, I can see it being possible. If you got to get out, you got to get out. You yeah, gotta you, do what you, you got to make sure out. you're not left behind. Yeah, you got to get out. For, but it's still it's still a kind of a head scratcher. Why would you leave? So yeah, yeah, the alcohol fumes, the explosion. It's all possible, but it doesn't really make sense. Really, I I kind of think we might be out of theories on this one. Yeah, I think so. there's no, there's no, you know, even though the the, the alcohol fumes theory is the, 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 seems to be the strongest one out there, everybody seems to like it. Even even it's got its holes. You know, it doesn't really entirely make sense. Again, like you were saying, why would everybody leave the boat? Yeah, you know, because even with the danger of explosion or whatever. Leaving the boat's pretty dangerous. Pretty dangerous. Everybody too. leaving the boat, right? Especially everybody leaving the yeah. boat. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the end, I mean, it's it's was it was a bit of a tragedy, obviously, because the crew died, and it it really kind of sang the end of the Mary Celeste because she didn't last much longer after that, did she? She lasted about another thirteen years, I believe. Yeah, but, but yeah, and then yeah. somebody scuttled her. Yeah, somebody like ran her uh, ran her aground on some shoals in Haiti as a part of an uh. insurance scam. Yeah, he was trying to collect insurance on it. Yeah, which she was. Just... Uh, she was not yeah. a good luck. Maybe ship. that's what this was. This was yeah. an attempt, a really ill-fated attempt to collect insurance. Man, no, I don't yeah. think so. I don't think that somebody would say, "Hey, I've got my wife and kid on board." <laughs> but you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sink this thing. That'll be fine. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, things like uh, disease outbreaks, things like that. I mean, those are kind of compelling, except there'd be entries in the log. So that's yeah, you would think so, you know. And like, I'm I'm, I'm compelled to think like, you know, see, they're cruising along and they find another ghost ship, and so they stop. They 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 put the lifeboat out so they can paddle over to check this this empty ship out, and then for some reason they never ba- never make it back to their own ship. Yeah. Now this. You know, this makes no sense either because, I mean, obviously they all just go hop on another ship. You know, I mean, it must have been one hell of a nice ship. Yeah, but not then, everybody leaves. Yeah, so so I'm I'm, I'm always liking the double de- the double sort of ghost ship idea. That's kind of cool. The yeah. double the double the double ghost one ship. ghost ship met another ghost ship. Yeah, in a bar. yeah, so yeah. <laughs> there was there was one that I was I was reading about when I was doing some research. This is months ago, and there's like some ghost ship where. 
and this might have been entirely fictional. I didn't have enough time to research it, but uh, so the, a ship comes upon this uh, this abandoned, empty sailing ship, and some of the and so they go aboard. Nobody's nobody's there. It's just sailing, sitting there, empty. They they put some crew on board this this ship because it's a nice ship. They want to salvage it, claim salvage title, and so they head off to sort of in tandem to wherever they're going. I don't know. I don't remember where. And then and there's, a, there's a little bit of foul weather. They kind of lose track of each other. And then eventually the first ship finds the ghost ship again. But it's empty ship, again. But it's, the crew is gone again. Yes. <laughs> I do yeah. remember so, yeah, this. And so, this and then, th- that story was in the research that I, that was up when we were doing the Hourang Medan. That uh-huh. was one of those little that anecdotal probably, stories. That was I probably think, one I came across. And then at that or point... Roy told us that one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And then, but, but then at that point comes the really tricky part, which is persuading still more members of your crew to go aboard <laughs> this ship. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. No. Uh, screw you, Cap. No, thank you. <laughs> no. Not happening, sir. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, all right. So anyway, um, so out of all the possible ones, let me see what we got here. I'm going to go with Daleks. What are you guys going to go with? Aliens. Aliens. I like it. It's kind of like Daleks. Yeah, I. God, if I have to choose one, do I have to choose one? Nah, because I don't really. I don't. None of these just seem plausible enough to me it's fair yeah. they're not cohesive enough yeah there's yeah. Th- and, and i understand that this is 150 years ago or dang near 140 mm-hmm. years ago and so that, yeah. the pieces have fallen apart in the retelling but it, yeah it, it just i know I, I just i can't i can't see any of it being credible enough yeah there's got to be something that we haven't thought of that swept all of those people off in a hurry i mean who knows? Maybe they changed over and hopped onto a carnival cruise. I don't know, but yeah. just... that was a mistake because the carnival cruise broke down. <laughs> well, th- I, obviously, we know now that was their <laughs> mistake, but at the time, they didn't know it was a yeah. mistake. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really, it, yeah, I, I really don't I know can't either. Make a choice. I can, and I, and I can speculate that perhaps, um, perhaps that broken that broken rope was actually an anchor rope and they really found some deserted cool island and they decided to like all go ashore they anchored but have a little holiday yeah have a little holiday but you know why they would have left several sails set as mm. opposed to furling other sails that that kind yeah. of shoots the hell out of that why yeah would do i mean it's, it's possible i mean if they only wanted to set one anchor they could just put a few sails up and imagine the wind is really really light so you're letting so, the wind hold you so, against, so yeah, the, against the anchor. The sea yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go ashore, you're, you're, you're partying down on shore, you know. But, you know, what captain would leave his ship completely empty uh, under yeah, those circumstances? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that always just gets me. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so once again, there's always some little hitch in all these different theories. Mm-hmm. Weird. There is just nothing that can explain. You know, and that's where, you know, the food contamination one, in a sense, it's almost compelling because... Mm-hmm. Because it's just insane and stupid enough to do what they did. Mm-hmm. That, that would that would kind of make you think maybe you know. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's I mean, it's not yeah. uncommon. Or there are stories such as not uncommon, but there are stories of people who are stuck at sea and they get things that are tainted or worse off, they drink seawater mm-hmm. and they start to hallucinate, mm-hmm. and then they go, "Oh, hey." There's my car, and they just walk off the boat and go swimming away. And yeah. there's nothing you can do to stop them. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's hard to it's hard to imagine though that all ten people would have been equally loony and equally motivated to just yes. walk off the boat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, so again, that kind of shoots that one to hell. Yeah. But that that might explain though maybe why the lifeboat was gone because if somebody one or two people walked off the boat and the rest of them sort of like launch the boat, not realizing, maybe they were just addled enough to not realize, hey, you know, we can just turn the boat around. Go back yeah. Yeah. And so they launched the lifeboat. Or they don't, it, or, well, think about this, if it's a couple of the, the, the seamen that go over, and then it's the wife and the child, and one guy who's the lowest mate on the rung that doesn't know what's going on, he's the, the greenhorn, he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to steer this thing. Okay, well, uh, let's let's take the boat out there, and we'll get him, we'll come back. He can't be going that fast. I mm-hmm. feel like we could literally do this for hours. I yeah, think we could I know. We and we probably stop doing We have it. definitely gone on gone on too long, I think, as it is. So anyway, folks, I guess this is a first. We haven't solved the mystery. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Well, anyway, uh, we're going to have some cool links on our website. That's thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. And if you want to look us up on iTunes, you'll find us out there. Download all the episodes that you want to. Be sure to leave us a rating. And comments are always welcome, of course, too. Find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Stitcher. Uh, send us an email at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And actually, the, the, one, the people I'd really like to hear from, I'd, li- I'd like at least one of you to buy a red oak barrel. Fill it full of alcohol. <laughs> and just see how long it takes for all the alcohol to seep oh through and, and go entirely away. This and sounds like a project email. for Joe in his basement. No. Oh, no. That's no. a bad idea in his basement. So yeah. we have many eager, helpful readers or listeners, and I'm sure some of them, at least one of them, is going to want to do this for us. And also, of course, if you have any thoughts yourselves, uh, any, any possible new theories that we haven't talked about and you'd like to bring to our attention, we'd love to hear about it. So, again, that uh, email address, thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Ah, so concludes another, um, what's the word I'm thinking hard of? Hard-hitting is usually yeah, what I you say. Hard, I used hard-hitting before at the beginning. Uh, so Anticlimactic? Oh, no, not at all. It was, it was very climatic. Uh, <laughs> So that concludes another uh, scintillating episode. Scintillating. Of yes, yes. Uh, scintillating episode. He's been using the thesaurus again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I obviously haven't because I can't say yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, episode of Thinking Sideways. So folks, until next week, ta-ta. Bye, everybody. I think he meant scintillating. Shh. It was scintillating. Yeah, you're right. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.